0: What's up, what's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, The Football Academy. I'm your opponent tonight with the only other fan who was happy this weekend, Paraden. How's it going? Uh, it's it's good. We
1: both had big derby wins, and we'll we'll bask in that for a second before we get to what's coming up this weekend. Um, but I, I'm happy to bask in a North London
0: derby win for as long as I possibly can. Oh, yeah. And I mean... It it, it, it it has been such a long time since we've had weekends back-to-back filled with top four games after top four games. And, I mean, I guess it's a big six games now. But um, Manchester Derby, what a fucking game. We're going to get into it. And you know what? I'm very glad Will is not here because I have a lot of comments on Lord Welbeck's beautiful goal against Brighton. But before we get into all of that, Braden, do you want to recap? how we did on the betting side of things.
1: Yeah, so this was maybe not quite as great as it's been in some of the previous or previous weeks like I remarked about having a good uh, a, a good week on the New year's slate. It, this one was not quite as nice for me specifically. Um, in third place this week we've got Sapoon with five thirty seven pod bucks on the outlay of a thousand. in second place was me with eight sixty seven pod bucks. And Will is our big winner uh, at fifteen seventy nine pod bucks. Um, it was a pretty strong result for him this week. Um, the only one who have faith in in Manchester United uh, being being one of the key differences here. Which, you know, he's not here, but don't don't feel too bad for him as far as uh, not being here to take his victory lap. Like he's relaxing with a with a mai tai somewhere. So don't worry about him.
0: Yep. And to be fa- to be fair to him. And before we go and shit on Liverpool in a sec. He did pick Forest last week, and that was a very good pick, in my opinion, against the Leicester side that have been kind of hot and cold. So good on you, Will. Thankfully, you will not be getting these compliments live. And uh, enjoy your trip wherever you are, in case you do listen uh, in the middle of the ocean. Having said that, there is only one place to start to recap this weekend. The Manchester derby at Old Trafford, an exceptional game in my opinion two very talented sides went at it and a very very interesting 2-1 result i say interesting because a lot of people have asked me <laughs> over this past couple of days that what, spoon what is your opinion of what happened with that rashford second goal just to recap city took the lead one nil with jack real issue celebrated like he scored the league winner there and to be honest good for him he needed that for his own confidence and then bruno with an exceptional finish that i think should be the goal of the season but some controversy related to it because of uh offside call that then got turned into an onside call and you know what if anybody wants i will share the link there is a t-shirt that you can buy if you're manchester united fan that has the picture of bruno celebrating in front of all the man city players that just says onside i'm gonna buy it if anybody else wants to buy it feel free to do so but uh Right after that, Garnacho, baby boy with an assist, Rashford, man on fire, nine goals, nine consecutive home games with a goal. That is incredible. And Manchester United walk out 2-1 winners. For everybody who is wanting to hear what I have to say about the offside, here it is. Make sure you have your AirPods on. Make sure you listen to this closely. Because I think when the ball is played and when Rashford's running on, you see the defenders do their thing. The reality is... I don't give a fuck. The goal stood. <laughs> that is all I care about. It was one-one. He went on to score the winner. Braden, please give me your thoughts. I mean,
1: uh, certainly, I've seen Arsenal get fucked enough by referees' uh, decisions as well that like I'm not gonna stop anyone's I- enjoyment of just when something goes their way. Because like at the end of the day, I think it is a judgment call. Me personally, I think it's offside, but uh, the ref didn't and. Like, the ref is the one that matters. It doesn't really matter what I think. Like, it, it matters what the ref thinks. And he judged that Rashford wasn't interfering with the play. How he got exactly to that point, I, I'm not 100% sure. I think there's an argument for it, but I think there's a much stronger argument for the other side. But it's not what he called. And, I, you know, sucks if you're city, but he, you, just, like, you just signed the guy who's on base to break all these records with goals like the biggest story really is like he was blanked this week. Like he was shut down, um, by Manchester United defense. And and there's no controversy there. Like it was just United playing well. And I, 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 it lost in the controversy is that United played well and showed the character to come back against a, a title contending city team. And, that that takes some doing. Like, it, City is a very very good team, and they can get in a position where if they go go up on you, they just kind of suffocate you, and, and and just pile on more. And that's not what happened in this game. And for all you want to say about the call, look, you've got to come from, you got to come down from the adversity sometime when you're when you're going for titles. Like, it, it's the thing you have to do. And and City weren't able to do it this time. I think that's kind of, like, the story of it is, like, you can bitch about the ref all you want, but, like, that's the game sometimes. Like, you take some of your chances earlier, and this isn't a this isn't a conversation.
0: Yeah, and the one thing I do want to add to this, a lot of talks about corruption and all of this shit about the FA and all of that things. Here's the thing, and this is cold hard facts to any City fan that listens to this podcast. There are 18 Premier League teams that I will listen to that shit about. The one team that blatantly didn't care about fucking financial fair play, that did not care about how they were funneling in money, is not going to be the team I will take fucking fair play lessons from. So if you're sad, go do something else. Because Manchester City, you lost. And at the end of the day, for Manchester United fans, like it's been a long time coming where we played Manchester City toe-to-toe. It wasn't that we just sat back and countered. Yes, that was a part of it, but at times we played some very, very good football. And frankly, our back, too, in terms of the center backs, was Rafa Varane, who a year ago was supposedly washed, and a left back in Luke Shaw, and your star man, the guy who's supposed to be the best player in the world that people forgot about during the World Cup, because you know Norway doesn't make the World Cup. Um, it's not even the best Norwegian in the league right now. Foreshadowing. Yep. And he didn't have a shot on target. And I, th- I think it is very telling of Manchester City where uh, things are going wrong. And I say it's going wrong. They're still second in the table on all of that. But given where the they have been in the last couple of years, it's a bit like Alabama football where they get judged with the past teams that they have put out. City are getting judged by the past teams they have put out. And they are shit compared to them. And I, I'm sorry if you get pissed off at that, but... At the end of the day, you spend a hundred million on Jack Grealish. You spend money on uh, bringing in uh, Holland this summer. Like you have spent the money, you don't have wingers. Your midfield is old, and I think the way they used to recycle the possession and where I thought Zinchenko was really, really important for them at times, where he would be, he would be available to kind of take away from the opponent's press. He's just not there. There's no player there, and ultimately became a much more straightforward game i think once granacho came on he kind of changed what man city were doing defensively and you know beautiful one two with Akanji's face and assisted like i i i i think there is a lot of credit i will say people are going a little overboard with um united's tactical uh, genius of ten hag in this game i think he's a very good tactician i don't think tactics is how he won this game i think he made sure the game was close enough but ultimately um Tactics don't get you that offside call uh, washed away, and tactics don't get you that uh, assist from Granacho.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. This feels like more of a vibes
0: game than a tactics game. And, and like, yeah. United won the vibes contest. Yeah, and uh, funnily enough, there was a recording floating around uh, from Pep Guardiola where he was preparing City for last, last year's derby at Old Trafford where he was just like, hey, I don't know what happens when we come to this place. There is just a different vibe. There's the theater of dreams. Things happen, and things happen that day. So for United, big, big result. I think um, for most of us, we thought top four is where our ambitions lie for the season. If we get fourth, we'll be very, very happy. And currently, we look like in a very good position to get top four. So please, let yourself get carried away, but also remember what the goals were for this season. I understand we have signed somebody who might decide the title in uh, Waghorst, but until he plays and until he's shown his quality for Man United, let's all chill out. And talking about chilling out, there's another game that I'm not speaking of. Not getting carried away with your previous expectations. <laughs> yep. But uh, uh, all I'm going to say is be happy, United fans. We've suffered for 10 years. It feels like we're building something, and this has got to feel right. And to be honest, this was a great weekend. It started at 7.30 on a Saturday. And it just rolled into 10 a.m. on that same fucking Saturday. Because I thought Brighton were going to give Liverpool a tough test. I thought Liverpool were going to get together, figure some shit out, and go out there and get a result. They did get a result, but just not the one that they were looking for. Brighton 3, Liverpool 0. This could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, Alisson was almost sent off. Because, and here, because the player was actually interfering with play, uh, they did call an offside and didn't give him the red card. Signs were there. Second half, Brighton absolutely lit up Liverpool. Danny Walbeck. I think you as an Arsenal fan and me as a Man United fan, we both can together celebrate whenever Danny woback's fit and doing great things. Because when he's fit, he's a very damn good player. And the goal was just a punctuation mark. At the end of it, that's that exclamation point, sorry, at the end of the statement that said, fuck you, Bryden's here to stay, at least for this season, and they're competing for a European spot, Braden, Yeah, I agree with all that, like, it's a very,
1: it's tough on the southern coast there, the wind gets blowing, and if you're one of the teams that doesn't want to to feed into that, like, Bryden will come out and beat you on those days, and... I think that's exactly what you saw here. Is you saw a Brighton team that are very confident in what they're doing. Everyone there knows exactly what they're doing, which is a lot of credit to Deservey for coming in. And uh, this team could have gone a very different direction once uh, Potter left to Chelsea. Like you had a project, and now like it's it's a different project. It, it's similar, but it's different. And I think Deservey's done a great job of just keeping everyone on side there. I, I know there's some. Talk about like Trossard being very unhappy there and and trying to get out and that sort of thing, but like that is what it is. Like that's not the story here. The story is Brighton just like going out and convincingly beating Liverpool. Like Liverpool had a couple big chances that they missed, but sucks happens. Like I, I think it was a bad game for the new signing like Cody Kackpo. Like it and it's kind of just that entire Liverpool attack right now. I feel like. It's just disjointed and a lot of pieces that don't really fit together well. And you can kind of expand that to the midfield. Like I think the back four is kind of fi- fine as far as personnel, but it's just they're all over the place because the pieces in front of them are not gelling well. And I think you see that in this Liverpool team is like they are just trying to sort out what they need to do and they're not able to figure it out and brighton are definitely talented enough to take advantage of that and they did today and i think that's the long and short of it
0: yeah and i kind of didn't want to touch base too much on liverpool because brighton did play some scintillating football in my opinion like parts that you normally just associate with the big clubs and like the real madrid's the barcelona's a lot of uh tiki taka football out there total football going on out there at brighton and i think it it's happy days for them at the end of the day, and I think Brighton fans thoroughly deserve it. That's a very well run club, and I really hope Caicedo does not leave in the middle of the season. That is really it. So, uh, Arsenal, I see Chelsea are interested, so do not get interested in the player because I'd like to see him finish out the season at Brighton. Having said that, there's only one other place to go from this past weekend the North London Derby at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This was a big game for antonio conte and tottenham where they had to had to had to in my opinion get a result and they didn't get one sadly that affected them positively it ended up being arsenal to spurs nil arsenal after that manchester w were probably even more uh, poised to go try to go and win this game and you saw this uh, scenes before the game from jacques giving the motivational speech to the boys and to be honest i think Arsenal from the minute one outplayed Tottenham, and I mean, when Lloris figures out how to be a goalkeeper again, maybe Spurs have a chance to finish top four. But until then, it does look pretty grim right now for Tottenham.
1: Yeah, I, I think Lloris is at the end of his line here as a as a goalkeeper, really of a top like four, top six club, like type thing. Like I, I think he's just not really capable of doing that anymore that we should talk about arsenal in this game more than talking about spurs because arsenal are kind of the real story here i everyone went in and put in a great performance and it's one of those like if you watch the earlier north london derby there's um you you can you can see the arsenal players kind of creating space for party to take a shot outside the box and he almost scores what would have what could have been a goal of season one that hit the post uh in this game. And um then Odegaard scores a little bit like just from that same thing. And and like if you look at it, it tells you the story of how to beat Tottenham. Like Tottenham pack everyone into the box. Do not pressure shooters uh coming out of midfield and Arsenal that were there to take advantage. Um I, I don't really know what to say about Larice. Like yeah Sucks. Put it into the net. Like he probably could have done better on the Odegaard shot as well, but it just wasn't his day. Um, it really was their day for everyone at Arsenal. Like it's hard to pick out someone who didn't have it a fantastic game. I know there's been some criticism for Nkedia because he missed a, a chance that was decent or two, but like he did so much work. Like he he worked to get into the positions. The link up play was good. Like I. I you know, so sometimes strikers miss chances, it's fine. Like that's why you've got a team to to pick up the slack when they're not there, and, and they certainly did that today. Um man, Zinchenko like <laughs> some of the things that Zinchenko does is just kind of absurd for a left back to do. Like the like just the way that he brings an element of control into the game of just technical security that you don't really get from left back and creates all sorts of mismatches when he drifts into midfield. Now all of a sudden you've got a numbers problem if you're Spurs and it's kind of like four against two in that midfield and and Arsenal are just kind of off. And it's just, he brings something to this team that is just on another level. And you can't really say enough about everyone. Like Gabriel and Saliba did an incredible job on Kane in this game. Like he barely touched the ball. Like there's a little bit that kicked off at the end. Like if Charleston went up to Ramsdale for having the audacity to like point at the badge at, in front of the Tottenham Spurs fans at the end, but you know, whatever, like <laughs> it's if that's what, if that's what you want to do to salvage a little bit of pride or something from it, then okay, go ahead. I, I'm not even going to touch the, the other thing that happened at the game after the full time, but um yeah, it's really good from an Arsenal fan perspective.
0: I mean, for Rich Allison and any other Tottenham fans and players that might be feeling affected by it, you know what you can do to avoid situations like that is win the fucking game. Like show some more pride when you're actually playing the game. And that was kinda of lacking. And to be honest, uh, we'll see how this affects cause Spurs um have some had somewhat of a momentum um earlier in the season when they were getting some results. But Conte needs to find that out really, really quick because rumors again came out today that uh, Kane is wanting to leave. I think the market for Kane has gotten significantly smaller, both in terms of the price as well as the number of clubs that really want slash need him right now. So uh, the way I'm looking at it, man, for Spurs, you know, when there's I'll I'll try to give you an NFL analogy here because that is the best I can think of. When a team has a Super Bowl window, everybody says you should maximize it. Spurs tried to maximize it in two ter- terrible, terrible ways, in my opinion, with uh, Mourinho and then followed that up with Conte. And I think at this point, they are having to make a decision about what that, how long that window is going to stay open. Because in my eyes, a window slammed shut for the league. And I think it's more or less shut for the Champions League, unless, you know, the they go on a miraculous run all over again, but Conte in Europe not the greatest story. So for Spurs, I really want to know if you are a Tottenham fan, if you feel somewhat optimistic about the rest of the season. Really want to know because I understand there's 2021 20, games to be played, uh, close to or 1920 games to be played still for most clubs, and there's a long, long way to go. But without some major signings, I think this is looking pretty, pretty grim for Tottenham right now. And even the signings, like. It's not like they're gonna bring in a game changer right now. So, they do need Kulishevsky back. Is what I'm gonna say for now. Having said that, cannot deny Arsenal's been the best team in the league so far. And before we get into the betting, the only thing I was say uh, tell you, Braden, it does give me immense joy that going into this Arsenal Man United game, the stakes are so much more. Because as a kid, this was the game. This was the rivalry for me. Like Chelsea came on later. Liverpool and City were like historic I mean City weren't even the same fucking division when I started watching so like the real rivalry that I grew up in was the Keens and Vieiras and you had the hatred uh between the two teams I just don't know if we have had that in recent years and this does feel like a very very um nice welcome back to that rivalry
1: yeah it's probably i don't want to say the first time in a long while but it's this is the best that these that both of these teams have been in, in a real long time like there's been some times where arsenal was doing okay in the league and united had fluttered a little bit and, and vice versa like usually it was united were up around like second third type thing and, and arsenal were you know caught around eighth or so in the past couple of years um and, and so here you've got a game with, like, genuine title implications. And I... It's kind of like, you feel like this is how the game is supposed to be. Uh, it's... Yeah, like it, it's... I don't know if it's going to feel quite the same as those... Like the, like, the the real old school, like, you think of, like, the early like 2000s. Because I think both of those teams knew... Like, I, I think both of those teams circled each other at the beginning of the year. And we're like, this is going to be the game where things are decided. And I, I don't necessarily know that either of these two teams had like this specific one. So, cause I think both are maybe a little bit ahead of where they expected to be at this point. Uh, but we're here now. So like, I, I and I, I, think like the way that, like, I feel like Arsenal feel like there's an injustice from, the earlier match this year at Old Trafford, and like I think it's going to add a little bit of edge to it. I see you shaking your head, but like I,
0: I'm not telling you whether or not it was an injustice. I'm telling you that they feel there's an injustice. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I do hope that there are some fireworks in this game. Like obviously not, um, anything where you have players like trying to injure each other. Hopefully, bit, no
1: I, fans kick players.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I, I, Emirates is a more classy place. I'll I'll give them that. But um, I, the only thing I do want to add to that is, you know what, our clubs have been bantered for so long that this feels so good just to play a game where, you know what, for me personally, like, I think United winning has very huge complications. And I think um, same with Arsenal, like them winning, there's potential to be double digits uh, ahead of City. So I, 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 I I'm just very happy uh going into this game but before we get to that there are a bunch of other games brayton do you want to give a quick rundown on how we are going to preview them
1: yep so every week uh we are going to spend 100 virtual pod bucks uh or virtual dollars we call them pod bucks around here on the three-way money line so home win away win or a draw are the three possible outcomes uh we'll talk about those we'll talk about uh things like over unders we'll talk about like maybe some other prop bets like anytime goal scores that sort of thing um uh, and we'll kind of talk about the games through those lens not necessarily which is always going to be the team that wins but maybe what represents the best value uh that sort of thing so
0: with
1: that uh, we can go and get started
0: yep gonna start Brighton early seven thirty kickoff at anfield liverpool at minus 115 taking on chelsea at plus 295 draws at plus 285 kind of interesting to me that uh I mean, not interesting. Felix is not going to be a part of this game, sadly, for Chelsea. But uh, Murdoch's going to be in there. I don't know how to say it. Modric? Murdoch? I don't know how the fuck to say his name. I think it's Mudric. Mudric. All right. Mr. Ukraine. Um, That is going to be an interesting, interesting addition to the team, in my opinion. Because the one thing that he does bring to Chelsea that most other players don't have that Potter really likes is positional versatility across the front three. So Brayden, what are your thoughts about this game? I, I don't know what to think about this game. Like, it's just,
1: you've got two teams that are not really playing very well. Overall. You've got Liverpool who are, I don't want to say in a free fall, but like they've got things to figure out and they don't really seem to have obvious answers to kind of the questions that their squad asks right now. Like, do you have a midfielder? Well, not really. Um, do you have like do you have really just midfielders? Uh, do you have any of them? And I, I think that Chelsea are they're in a transition, but it's a little bit different. Like yes, they have a lot of injuries. Yes, I think they're still trying to adapt to what Grand Potter is trying to get them to do. Um, but I I think like their problems are less fundamental and structural to the team. Like I I think that they have players who uh, if like if they get fit they they're fine in general. Like I still think I need someone in midfield, but um uh, like with some fitness and some injury luck, I think that they're going to be fine. Uh but I just I don't know where to pick these two teams. I'm going to take a draw. I think that it'll be pretty hard fought. I just it's it's hard for me to see Chelsea going to Anfield and getting a win right now. And equally difficult, it's I I just don't know what to expect from this Liverpool team that I I don't think all is well there.
0: Yeah, there was kind of like a hit piece on uh, Klopp and Pep Lenders uh, yesterday where they essentially came out and were like Pep's uh, book uh, book that he wrote was very unpopular amongst the backroom staff and all of that kind of shit. So. Feels very interesting, but I'm going to take Liverpool in this game primarily based on uh, looking at Liverpool. Their XG is still the second best in the league thus far. Their issue really is the expected goals against because for the 38.5 one that they have created, they have conceded a 30.15, which is kind of lower mid-table team, um, I would say. And I think Chelsea, conversely, have essentially created 25.12 xg and 26.56 xga so i'm gonna go with liverpool just because i still don't know where the creativity for uh chelsea really comes from and liverpool don't need to be great you know at the end of the day and to be honest the one thing that fans from whether these two clubs or other clubs they really need to answer the question is if somebody told you after the world cup Liverpool are going to be ninth, and Chelsea are going to be tenth going into this game. You would really ask yourself, what the fuck's gone on with Liverpool? Like Chelsea, can be like, you know, shit happened X Y Z. Liverpool, like, what has really happened? And to be honest, the answer is nobody fucking knows, other than it's the lack of much. midfield. Yeah, yeah. Like, like and, Chelsea can honest. point to
1: injuries, right? Like, like yeah, there's a 100%. lot of injuries at Chelsea, and they can point to that. Transitioning to new manager ownership, that sort of thing. You really can't point to it for Liverpool.
0: Yep. And the one thing I will say about Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp specifically is other managers. And for a second, I'm going to take out the context of the fact that he has won the Premier League and the Champions League. Other managers, when they don't do well and they have issues with the team, the statement that gets given by everybody is he's going to change the fucking system. He's got to change what he's doing in order to suit the players. And this is where Jurgen Klopp right out uh, the year after they won the champion uh the Premier League they had the injuries but he refuses to change the system and even here like he today he plays Harvey Elliott as actually a right winger and he scores an absolute banger of a goal and that Looks boy better. At, yeah yeah and that boy at 18 19 is getting asked to play as a center mid like at the Jurgen Klopp's identity at Liverpool the first couple of years was that we will outwork you. And you are getting outworked right now. And this is where you need the manager to come through and motivate the players. And I think Chelsea-Liverpool should be a game. A draw probably is the right way to go about it. But you know what? I will take a fucking Liverpool loss here. So I'm going to go with Liverpool. Moving on. Bournemouth at plus 165. Taking on Forest at plus 175. Draws at plus 225. Brayden, how you see this game go?
1: This is another tricky one. Two teams that are not very good, um, but Forest are are seem to be playing a little bit better than they have been. Uh, I, granted, they're only two points off, or no, no, sorry, they're five points off of the relegation zone. I, I was looking at Leicester's line there, um, so a little bit of breathing room, and and they are playing a little bit better. But I just don't really know what to think of this Burma team either. Like I, I feel like we have talked about it of it feels like Burmuth are have kind of gotten away with some of their, like, what their underlying metrics say, like, that they are outperforming that a little bit. And and with some of the games that they've gotten draws that really probably should have been losses, um, and, and some wins that probably should have been draws and that sort of thing. And so I... I'm gonna go with... I'm gonna go with a draw again. I, I think that Maybe Bournemouth just make it happen one more game. Um, I, I do think Forrest are starting to figure it out a little bit and and be a little bit better than they've been, but I, I'm going to go with a draw just in this game because I, I think Bournemouth will go for this one and, and really try to get something from it, and I, I don't know that they'll get the three points that they want.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take Forrest in this game at plus 175. I think they are playing better football right now, and as you already mentioned, the advanced metrics never were on Bournemouth's side. And this is one of those games where ultimately they played against each other last year um, multiple times. This was the game, I think, at Bournemouth where Bournemouth beat Forest last year to go uh, get the final automatic promotion. So I'm going to take Forest. I think those players are just better. and going to go with that. Moving on, Leicester at plus 240, taking on Brighton at plus 110, draws at plus 265. Brayden, do you think Leicester stands any chance in this game? Nope, not at all. <laughs> I, I think that this Brighton team will continue to
1: kind of do what they do. Granted, you know, if Leicester – I think Madison's out for a couple more weeks, so I, I don't think, like, even he comes in and potentially saves them. Uh, Leicester, you can always get freak result because they, they do have lots of guys who score low XG goals. We talk about that all the time. But I just don't
0: think they really have it in them this game i'm going
1: with brighton I, I think they win pretty convincingly
0: yeah i'm gonna go with brighton as well i'm not as confident but i just don't have any sort of uh thoughts about leicester currently and that's why i'm gonna go with brighton moving on southampton at plus 180 taking on villa at plus 150 draws a plus 240 i'm gonna go ahead and take villa Braden, any thoughts on this game i i'm also gonna take villa i
1: i think this is similar southampton got a big win against everton but uh, I think maybe this line gives them a little bit credit there. I, Villa are playing well right now. Like I, I was very impressed with Leon Bailey this past weekend. He kind of looked like the player that was signed, or, or the thought that they were getting when they signed him. Um, he he looked to be kind of the difference maker on the wing, can take guys on, uh, deliver, score goals. And if he if he starts doing that, and some of the other guys get more involved, I, I think Villa are going to be more than okay. I'm gonna take Villa's plus favorites. I think are much better than Southampton.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I also think like ultimately when you look at the Villa team, they are more are are a team that if things get rough, they can go and do a smash and grab. And that's what I assume this game is gonna end up being for them. Moving on, West Ham minus one thirty, taking on Everton at plus three sixty draws at two se- plus two seventy five. I'm still stunned that Frank Lampard's their manager. Brayden, how you feeling? It, it's kind of wild that West Ham are sitting in 18th and are.
1: Let's see, what was that line again? It was minus one thirty. Like it, it feels crazy for <laughs> a team in 18th to be a minus one thirty favorite on anyone. Um, I. Against my better judgment, I'm going to go with West Ham. They are a better team. They're more talented. I, I think Everton are just a disjointed team right now. Like, it, They have some talent in places, but it's the same kind of like nothing really fits together there for Everton. Um, could I see West Ham not seeing getting the job done and this being a draw? Yeah, I can see it. I can't really see an Everton win, though, in this one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to take West Ham as well. I, I think ultimately this just shows you that regardless of the position, certain teams are just better. And that's why you, you kind of have to offer West Ham a minus-130 because they are just a better team than Everton at the end of the day. So I'm going to go with them. Moving on, Crystal Palace at plus-330, taking on Newcastle at minus-115, draws at plus-255. Newcastle, another team that got a... I'm not gonna say a lucky result, but the Mitrovic penalty against Fulham was kind of a wild one. Do you think Newcastle are kind of coming down to earth? Or do you think Fulham just matched them well enough?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Fulham are a good team. Like I, I think that there's a reason they're six. Like I think that I also think that Newcastle are a team that rarely blow teams away. Like I think they're very competitive with everyone. But they're rarely that team that just goes out and completely dominates a match. And so, like, I think you had a Fulham team that's very combative, very, like, willing to to play with them. And I think that that's kind of what you saw uh, in, in that game was a, a Fulham team that, you know, if if not for the, the bad luck of Mitrovic slipping a little bit, like, uh, does Fulham win that game? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> does Newcastle come back and draw it? Maybe as well. Um, but I think that... I, Newcastle are a team that generally don't, like, put teams away that strongly. Like, they, they generally grind out wins, it feels like. And they did against Fulham. Um, for this game specifically, I, I think the key thing here is that Palace have a midweek match that I, I think is going to leave them a little bit drained. I think that Newcastle, with the full week to prepare, I think they'll take advantage of that. I'm going to go with Newcastle. I think they're like they are playing at a different level than palace right now. And in palace, for as good as palace have performed at times this year, they have not performed very well recently. And I, I think that I, it was against Chelsea that they had a stat that like palace has scored one goal away from home in the second half this year, which is just pretty wild (laughs) in general. Just to think about like only scoring one game away from home in sec in second halves. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done with this palace team still um I, I think that they're starting to show some cracks there so i'm gonna go with newcastle i, I realize this is at Selhurst park so it's not like that's not as relevant but i think it just shows that this isn't a complete palace team ready to compete every week
0: yeah i'm gonna go with newcastle as well um i'm not gonna speak too ill of uh crystal palace though currently um Moving on, Leeds at plus 135, taking on Brentford at plus 185, draws at plus 260. I'm going to go ahead and take Brentford in this game. The only issue is that I, I do think Jesse Marsh's job is a little bit on the line, and we are about to find out how much the player, players and the club and everyone believes in him. Brent. I think I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to take Leeds in this game.
1: I'm going to lean into plus favorites a little bit. I do think that Leeds are a t- team that can get at- after Brentford a little bit. Like I, it's uh, obviously like Ivan Tony is, is a difference maker, and he'll probably have a good bit of success against a Leeds back line that really isn't that great. Uh, but you know, you saw Patrick Bamford come back um, and, and play a little bit. I think that's a key, uh, a, a key addition to an attacking lineup at Leeds that just has not had that much punch going forward, like the, most of, it, it feels like most of the goals that they score have been like the press created something for them. And it was just kind of like a, he, the forward like finished it, but not that kind of like the center forward did something to make it happen. And, and I think Bamford is a guy who can do some of that. Um, he's not the best finisher, but he does get into good positions and does, you know, he can, um, it's more of a volume thing than finishing like great chances, but he, you know he can he can get into those positions, which is half the battle. Um, so I'm gonna go with Leeds. I think at home it makes a difference. Um, Brentford are a team like Brentford have played well for sure. They are on a hot streak, having taken down Bournemouth, Liverpool, City, <laughs> Spurs. Like like you look at the teams that Brentford have, have taken down recently, it's really quite impressive. Um, But I think they're due to come down
0: just a little bit. So I'm going to go with Leeds. Fair enough. The only, only thing I will say, though, Leeds, I have seen fan rumblings about uh, wanting to get Jesse Marshall out. It was easier the first time around. Things weren't as bad. But I do think currently it doesn't look great for them with the re- uh, results that they have been getting. And to be honest, I do think they have decent players. So they do need to pull themselves out. But I'm going to take Brentford stick with my pick. Moving on, Manchester City minus five seventy-five taking on Wolves at plus thirteen hundred. Draws at plus six fifty. Braden, how do you see this game go?
1: I I think this is Man City revenge. I mean, guess you could argue that Spurs would be the revenge talk- or not. Not even revenge, but just like yeah, you know, you're pissed off about loss, you take it out on a team. Uh, Wolves are playing better. I honestly like this line should probably be something more like minus four hundred. Man City, Wolves at like plus. 900 or something because i i don't know that this fully takes into account like how much better wolves are playing uh, but I, they're not gonna have enough to take on city right now i don't think like i think city are just a better better team and i i think that they'll go and get the job done here so i'm gonna take city i know
0: minus 575 doesn't excite anyone but look sometimes sometimes you have to hit singles Minus 575 might not excite a lot of people, but a plus 650 definitely does. So I'm going to take the draw in this game. I think a city team that is not fully, uh, a fully complete team can leave spaces behind. And Wolves have, under Lopetegui, just have just enough, I think, that can take advantage of it. And I, I'm not going to go with the full 1300, might put a dollar or two in, my real, in terms of my real money. But I'm going to go with the draw, a plus 650. Moving on to the game, we hyped up so much. Arsenal, a minus 105, taking on Manchester United at plus 270. Draw is also a plus 270. Braden, how confident are you going into this game? I'm
1: decently confident. Like United are playing much, much better uh, than they were previously in the season when United beat Arsenal 3-1 at, at Old Trafford. And I think in some of that game, like Arteta, I don't want to say lost the plot a little bit, but I think he mismanaged that game with making... Uh, a lot of substitutions and, and kind of loot I don't want to say like losing control of the game, but maybe could have let some of the guys on the pitch uh, stick it out. Cause Arsenal were getting some momentum back in that game. I, I think at Emirates, I think it's a different story. Like, I think that the crowd really is lifting this team. And even if Arsenal go down early on, which I don't think will happen, like this Arsenal team start very hot. In games like the season, it's just a thing that they're doing under Arteta is they try to start the games very fast. And if they can do that, I I think that they'll see this one out better than uh, they have or better than they were in Old Trafford. So I'm going to take Arsenal here, even at minus 105. You know
0: what? It's just the two of us. And I'm going to take Manchester United in this game. that does not really show how confident I am that United can win this game, I just think there is something about this team. It all could fall fall uh, flat on its face come Sunday, come game time. But for me, (sighs) Emirates is a tough place to go. And uh, teams have a tough time getting results there. And this year specifically, I think, as you already mentioned, the crowd does a very good job. I just think United need to keep it close to half. I think mean, if United can do that, even if it's just a 1-0 deficit, just make sure you go into the locker room with a 1-0 deficit. You can make things happen in the second half. Obviously, that's not what you want to see. But I'm not going to take Arsenal minus 105. It's just the two of us. Going to go ahead and take Manchester United. And you know what? For all you listeners, because I already bet on them, you can go ahead and bet on Arsenal. Because when I bet on them, they rarely prove me right. Moving on to the last game of the weekend. Fulham at plus 230, taking on Spurs at plus 110, draws at plus 270. This is kind of rough because they play Thursday and then they play Monday. But I'm going to go ahead and before you go take Spurs because I think the way Mitrovic and Fulham will want to play is essentially how Conte wants to play on the attack, being able to exploit spaces. And this could end up being an end-to-end game, but I think there's just enough quality from the likes of Harry Kane in this game that'll show off, and uh, Spurs will go as plus favorites, winners.
1: Yeah, I I have trouble figuring out exactly what I think as far as this game, because uh, Spurs are a more talented team. Like, we can say that, like, full stop. that they, they are. I, I will say that Fulham, I think, match up well in midfield, like with Paulina and um, with Pereira. Like, I, I think they're that they will do okay there. Uh, but in, this is kind of the story of Spurs is they don't really care about winning midfield because they're getting it up to the guys in the forward line and letting them uh, do everything. Like they mostly just skip over midfield. And so I, I go back and forth on this and, and I don't know what I'll actually pick when it comes down to time to pick for this. I'm going to go with a draw at, this point, I, I think there's just enough about Fulham it being at Craven Cottage. I, I think does make a difference. Um, I, I think that you may, I, I would want to watch this game, and if it's tied at half, I probably want to take Spurs, like, and, and just trust the Spurs come out in the second half and are a better team because that's mostly been their own mo for the season. But I think like, I think Fulham may have just enough to to stay like in a pretty tight match with them this game so i'll go with the draw but really i can see any of the three outcomes happening here
0: that is fair yeah i'm gonna stick with spurs and that brings us to an end of this week's podcast we'll be back again next week games are coming very very quick so hit the subscribe button make sure you don't miss the podcast and in case you want more content you can follow Braden at tfa Braden on twitter you can follow me at tfa sapoon We'll see you next week. Cheers.